So um, let's uh, let's pick up where we were. Um, I'm going to ask Zena to call back in. Uh, Zena, if you if you wouldn't mind jumping back into the call. Perfect. Great. All right. Um, so when we were talking before, your your audio cut out. Um, I'm not I'm not really sure what's going on. A lot of time uh, with this stuff. Um, it can be something internal to the app. It's also possible that it's it's uh, it's me. I don't know. Um, but anyway, Zana, um, what I was asking you before um, was, you know, like if if you think that it's accurate to kind of look at uh, the People's Party as just kind of an organization for um, for Nick to kind of live his life the way that he wants to live it and. And kind of just travel around. Um, and you were talking about a lack of financial transparency. Um, do you want to do you want to expand on that and and, and tell me if, if you think that that's a correct interpretation? I don't really know. You know, if it's if it's that. You know, um, I think in some ways he does believe in this, but. I think in other ways, it's, um, this is, hold on a second, sorry. Nope. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that maybe he does, uh, believe in it to an extent. Um, I think that that's, that's somewhat open to interpretation as far as, um, you know, like actions, but yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You're back. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it's being a little glitchy on my end too. <laughs> I apologize. No, I think, I think it's an internal thing. Don't worry about it. Just, just, uh, just go ahead. We'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll just, we'll just wrap up this conversation and then we'll, and then we'll probably, uh, uh call it there. Go, so go ahead. Sure. Um, so I'm not going to like ascribe his intentions. You know, I know he's not getting paid by the party for instance. Um, I think in some ways he believes in it, but <sighs> He's internalized this great responsibility as far as believing that, you know, it's the next answer to saving the world, sort of. And in that, he can um, legitimize treating people any way that he wants to. But also on top of that, he very much does enjoy sort of the spotlight and he loves being on shows and he gets really primped and prepped for that. And he likes to chase the shiny things to have the eyes on the people's party. A lot of times, instead of focusing on, on the ground, gritty organizing, you know? And so for me, it's always a red flag when an organization is, is chasing the shiny things, but not doing on the ground work. Those are two different things. And if you're not doing the on the ground work, you're not actually growing. Sometimes you need the shiny things to get people's attention and to get support and to get fundraising. I, I get that. But if you're not actually using those funds and um, pushing that and doing the on the ground organizing, then it's not as authentic. And I think that was part of the problem. But his his behaviors was that he really internalized, for instance, when we had the um, National Organizing Committee he was very concerned about the votes and stuff that people would make. So he was doing things to, um, 
he was doing things to have more power over the National Organizing Committee. And um, that was a problem because it was supposed to be a democratic process. We were supposed to be working our way into where the party was overly democratic. Um, And so the point being that um, Nick was kind of, I think he was afraid of becoming that democratic state that we were going to be because he definitely felt some ownership over the movement to the point where, yes, he would remove people or wouldn't allow things to happen. As I had mentioned before, the board meetings could go for five, six, seven hours, and he would keep coming back to a point until we agreed on a specific language point in that, you know, discussion um, so that the wording or whatever was voted on was exactly how he wanted it. Or if the vote board voted down something he wanted, we would he would always try to revisit it. So in that way, the processes weren't really happening the way that they happen in the normal organizational structure. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, I'll, 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 I'll kind of focus together at the top. Right. As far as like the, as far as organization went. Very much so. And I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those types of leaders. I believe in more of like a flat article structure. And that's why I joined the People's Party is I, I believed that we were taking a holistic approach to leadership. And I, you know, as I would always tell all the state chairs and the state leaders, I would say all of you guys are leaders too. The regional coordinators were leaders. The people that were organizing their hubs and their communities, those were leaders. There were a lot more leaders than just somebody like me as the executive director. I'm just a little, you know, I'm kind of a pin pusher and making sure that the bigger picture items kind of come together so that that organizing can happen. But those people were leaders too. I don't know if that makes any sense, but what I felt like, you know, was that Nick really wanted it very centralized and not decentralized. But the problem with that is that the people's party has been selling themselves as a decentralized movement, as a movement for the people, as a, you know, even on their website. So when, when people come in, they expect to be able to organize in their communities. They expect to be able to take some ownership in their states. And I understand that there has to be some balance. You know, you can't just have everyone running around uninformed, doing a bunch of crazy stuff that doesn't work. (laughs) So there has to be some structure. But at the same time, it can't be so tied up that organizing doesn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I want to say I see Lisa in the chat. Lisa, if you want to join the call, please let us know. We have been discussing um, your... uh, uh, some of your some of the stuff that you found um, in 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 the filings, but yeah, Zena. I mean, I think that that is kind of like that has been kind of like the one of the big conflicts as far as um, as far as the People's Party goes. That 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 there's this feeling that they're that they're not really so invested in doing the organizing and doing the real work, and what they're more uh, invested in, what they're more interested in doing, is just kind of. Uh, facilitating uh, Brana and, and, and his fame. I'm going to go to Lisa now, um, but uh, uh, stay close, uh, uh, Zana, and, 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 and maybe we'll have you jump back in um, in a little bit. So, Lisa, thanks for joining us. Can you kind of talk a little bit about what you found in these filings? So, yeah, there was a recent quarterly filing filed really just the other day, 
And digging into it, they have the same sort of problems where they're overspending, which is, you know, not unusual in an organization, but it's a theme with MPP where they continuously have donation money and they overspend. And now Nick Brana, I believe as of May, is paying himself, which again is not like super bizarre, but I guess that's what happens when you remove all your staff. Um, so Nick so far has paid himself $7,000 since May. Um, there was some spending on airlines, but it's really hard to tell if it's related to MPP because nothing's really happening within the organization. There's no candidates. And I believe Zaina touched on the last call-in. Um, they really can't run candidates. I'm not too super familiar with that. Um, and there's an Airbnb cost. There's all these, you know, miscellaneous costs that happen throughout probably the IRS filing since the past little over a year because they did very well after the August 2020 convention. They had an excess of funds for quite a long time. Um, I think it was the second or third quarterly report last year. And on last year, they posted their reports every six months. And ever since then, it's been going downhill where they're not actually in excess of money, they're using too much money of donation money. So that's one question I always have is, what are they doing with this money? They don't have a budget committee that can really sort out these things. And I know Nick Brana likes to say they have some company that does their money or their taxes, I should say. But the problem is he doesn't clarify that that's a brand new thing. So this is probably the second quarterly report that has had used a company to do their finances. And there's a lot of questions on where, you know, they get some of their money, but I'm not someone who, I'm not an accountant. Um, there is questions about that financial transparency. Uh, we can't see the 990s if you download them from the IRS website, um, but everything else you can download on the IRS website, but there's no clarity on who is making these financial decisions. Is it Nick alone? Is it Nick and his dad? They had a finance working group, but they didn't largely have anything to contribute or any access to the funds. So to me, that's the larger broad issue is who is making these you know, ideas for the money? Because clearly it seems to be Nick and his father. And that's largely my big thing when it comes to the logo issue um, that many have heard about the past year or so, because many people don't realize the logo fiasco, as it's called, was $20,000. Nick likes to say it was for graphic design service and social media, and it was originally intended to be that way. However, he went over the national coordinator circle when they voted no, and he did it anyways, on top of which spending $20,000 entirely on logo drafts. And then even afterwards, spending $1,617 for another logo, and then they never used it. So it's these string of, I don't even know a good word for it, questionable decision-making with donation money that I have a big problem with. Yeah, there doesn't really seem to be like a lot of, like like the decisions don't seem to be, it doesn't seem to be like they're, like he's thinking things out before he's before they're making their decisions, right? They're just right. kind of doing things. And that kind of presents problems because that, I mean, that's, that's when you end up right with something like, uh, you know, having, 
having all these different versions of the logo and then um, not even using any of them. You're just, you're just throwing money at something because you don't really understand like what you're doing because, and again, like, I think, I think this is, you know, an important uh, part of the situation, but like there's, there's no, because there's, because it's not a democratically controlled board and because it's not a democratically controlled group, um, there's really only one person who's in charge. If there's only one person who's in charge, um, you know, they're, uh, it's his decisions. And if his decisions aren't being made with any kind of, you know, coherence or, 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 or any kind of forethought or planning, then you just end up with something like this, right? I mean, that, that seems to be, I think, uh, uh, what we're looking at. I also want to say just before we go back to you, Lisa, that, um, I think this is a really, um, smart, uh, smart comment uh, in the chat uh, from from the user called Corn Pops. He says, "Now you see. Well, now that they say, now you see why well why telling well intentioned, politically naive people to just join any organization is not meaningful advice. It either makes people disillusioned, or they become caught up in a cult. Um, and I think that that's right. I mean, like it, it's it's if it, my problem with People's Party uh, was always that." Uh, it well as 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 well as like kind of not really having a, a coherent reason to exist. I mean, the saying that Bernie Sanders is going to start a third party is just a fantasy. But um, it, it it just it presented disillusioned politically a, uh, activated people after the Bernie campaign with some options uh, of what to do with their political in, energy and enthusiasm. But instead of like directing them into something real it directed them into this vanity project. And I think that that's a good point. I think that what you found uh, with these financials, with this uh, with this money stuff, uh, really does kind of show that, right? It does really show that, that, that what people were directed into just doesn't really, um, it doesn't really exist in any form other than to kind of uh, uh, perpetuate uh, Nick Brana, right? Right. And you agree with that? Right. In my personal opinion, this is Nick's vanity project. It's all about Nick. If the party ended tomorrow, he would be completely fine. He's got his buddies, Jimmy Dore. He's got Jackson Stinkle. Uh, you know, he has all these people to prop him up when he could just say the same thing he says when he purges people. They're bad faith actors. They're Democratic infiltrators. And that's why the party didn't work. You know, quotations on party. And it's it's unfortunate because how many people have donated time, if not money, to this organization that ultimately is a grift? Um, and it's it's really sad to see all this energy go wasted. And uh, yeah, it's just it's unfortunate. Yeah, he does. He does seem to be I mean, like a lot of what he does does seem to be kind of um, obsessed with with uh, getting on these podcasts um, and. And kind of making it seem like, uh, like, like he's much more important uh, than 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 he is. I mean, one of the things that he's been saying, I'll I'll, I'll quote this. This is from uh, something he tweeted yesterday. Make no mistake about it. Just weeks after I was overwhelmingly elected as national chair of the People's Party, there was a liberal attempt to destroy me in this party. It was methodical, calculated, and they used the most despicable of tactics. Um, uh, we were targeted because we're proposing a dangerous new idea that cannot be allowed to exist. Uh, the people on the right and the left can come together. Uh, that's 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 very a very old thing. Uh, it's not not a new thing. Um, 
the, the idea of a populist party threatens the very foundation of corporate control over the working class, and that's why it must be destroyed. I mean, if you think that this group, that this group, this organization is actually any kind of a threat uh, to, to, to corporate control of the economy, I don't know what to tell you. Um, it just, <laughs> that, that is just not reality. Um, and so I, 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 I question, I mean, I question his like grasp on reality at this point, right? Like it doesn't seem like he really understands like, um, the, the reality of the situation. And, uh, Lisa, why don't you, why don't you respond to that? And then, um, and then we'll take the next caller there. Right. I mean, I agree. And, you know, having been part of the original petition group in 2020, it seems, you know, he'll say one thing to your face, but to another thing to another person, and then it get back. You know, I think he really does want to do something. But at the same time, he's so disillusioned with his own narcissism, that he just can't let go. You know, I hear a lot of, you know, people saying, well, they need to remove him. But that's what happens when you surround yourself by yes people and remove dissenting opinions. And you also have a tad bit of conspiratorial on top of that. And people tend to believe that, at least in the circles he's running in right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thanks, Lisa, uh, for that. Let's take, um, let's take the next caller here. Uh, caller, you are on. Uh, just unmute yourself there down at the bottom right and go ahead. Hey, can you hear me? All set. Go ahead. Okay, cool. So I've been asking a couple journalists this, and I was just wondering, how do you know what is true, right? Because, like, sources can coordinate to lie, right? Sources can lie. Like, we obviously know major media lies, like um, human rights reports, right? Especially after the Goldstone um, report came out, like, those can be, like, basically politically motivated. And, like, when you're researching a story, like, how do you know if something is true? Like, what's your litmus? Yeah, well, this is, I mean, that's that's kind of, like, a broad question, which I don't, which which I don't mind answering. I, I want to be clear about that, but I just want to uh, be, be sure um, that I, I'm, I'm not saying that any of these allegations that have been made are true, right? I'm, I'm oh. just, I'm just reporting that the allegations have been made. So I, I want to, I want to make that distinction. Oh, for sure. That, that's uh, what sorry. You're talking about. sorry, real quick. I, I wasn't talking specifically at all. This is like a question that I'm just asking journalists like completely out of context. So it's not, it's not applied okay, to anything great. that you've been talking about. Great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like there, like there are um, many different ways of verifying uh, what sources tell you. I mean, you can, um, you can research what they tell you. Like they tell you that something happened on this day, uh, that something happened with their work for this place. Make sure that they worked to that place. Make sure that 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 this thing happened on that day. Um, there are lots of different ways to verify. I mean, you're not really just going off. Of, like if you just have like two or three sources. Who are telling you the same thing? I mean, that's that's certainly something that I think you could report out as, "Hey, they said that this thing happened." Um, but you, but the litmus test for actually being able to like report it out as truth is 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 a lot higher. I think that's why a lot of times you'll see reporters saying things like, um, "Like so and so said," right, rather than saying like this, like such and such happened. They'll say so and so said, right? So and so said this, and and and. And this this account, or, or like, and, and this is something different. But like, okay, so so and so said this happened. This account was verified by by a number of different people um, and a number of different kind of contemporaneous sources that we found. Um, so we feel like relatively solid in in reporting it out. But I think that uh, most, if not all, reporters would 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 say that uh, when you are reporting out the facts, that um, 
you, you you try to err on the side of 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 giving yourself the most wiggle room for for, for things maybe not being true. If that makes sense, I'm. I'm might be mangling that a little. No, bit. no, no. I, I, yeah. From what I've gotten from that is basically an extreme amount of honesty to your readers, right? Where if it is allegations, you detail, um, you know, like how you got the information while protecting your sources, right? It's just like to be as transparent as possible as to what you're saying and how you found it out. Yeah. So let me. So let me give you like two competing examples here, right? So, um, and, and, and I'm going to use these two, uh, and, and, and I'm not necessarily saying that they're like the same, uh, but, but they are like somewhat similar, right? So, so there are, uh, the, the allegations that were made, um, last Tuesday against Nick Bronner, right? So, uh, I, I, I wrote up a really quick little blog about that, but in the blog, I just said like, look, look, these allegations were made. This is what they said. Like, like, like they said this on my show, you can go listen to my show, like whatever you can do that. Right. So that's Mm -hmm. one. Um, two, like, uh, I think like four or five years ago, um, I wrote a story about allegations against this guy named Al Giordano. If you don't know who he is, good for you. Uh, if you do, uh, he's, he's, he's horrible. Um, but, but I reported that one out. That one took, uh, months to report out with different allegations that we had heard, um, including like, like I had to work, uh, with the, with the HuffPost legal team. Uh, to like to like make sure that like what we were saying was only what we could say. We use contemporaneous accounts. Um, we 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 talked to like multiple people, both like on and off record, or like mm-hmm. both on record and on background. Um, you know, we had people uh, backing up the story uh, from like contemporaneous accounts and from accounts now um, to the point that like something like that, where we were just like saying like, hey, we have all these allegations. Um, we have and and this is. I think that also the difference is that. That um, so something like last week, like that was something that was that was said publicly. So we, so I'm just reporting on that being said publicly. If you're reporting right. on something that somebody's saying to you, like directly for you to, to to publish and print, it's a little bit of a different standard. Um, so it's 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 you, you just have to be able to be like you're saying, yeah, you have to be honest with your reader. But the standards are a little bit different if the if this stuff is public and if it's not. And again, I'm just using those two examples because. Obviously, we're talking about people's party on the one hand, and then I—it's I, just like a good uh, kind of, um, like, like, like contrast. If that makes sense. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, it also sounds really nice that you had other team members who were sort of able to like help you along in this process. In terms of like that, what is needed in terms in terms of reporting on that story, right? Well, yeah, I mean, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm a freelance journalist, uh, but right. that was a story that I did with HuffPost and, and, and I did work with their team. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Yeah. I was super curious. That was a really good answer. Thanks, man. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. Uh, let's go to, uh, to case next. Um, go ahead. Uh, thanks for, thanks for calling in Uh fan of your, your stuff online. Yeah. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. So, I know we don't have any uh, um, movements for People's Party on speaking right now, but I'm really curious what are some lessons learned. And I know we have Zanap, and there might be others in the audience. So I, I hope you don't mind me just um, throwing out my email. Please email me at casestudyqb at gmail.com. And I would love to know what are lessons learned from um, – uh, being in this party, what would you do differently? And the reason why I'm asking is I'm I'm personally working on an initiative that I would like to um, start. And if it um, does grow, I want to learn from, um, you know, I, I, it, I want it to be a horizontal 
organization, a truly horizontal organization, but I can understand the temptations of once it starts to grow, you, you want it to be vertical or you want to keep in charge of certain things. So, um, and, and matter of fact, let me throw that at you, Ian, if you uh, learned anything so far, what would you do differently um, if you started the Movement for People's Party today? Yeah, that's 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 a really great great question, um, and I think I, well, I mean first of all, let me say that I think that um, you know uh, taking the kind of uh, if I if I can use this word like holistic approach that you're talking about by uh, by taking in like what has happened and um, and and using that as a, as a learning opportunity, I think I think is is probably the best way to do this, and probably the best way uh, to to um, to kind of project any kind of lessons um, out of this into the future. Uh, you know. So anyway, um, I would say that uh, if if I were to if I, if I had been in the position where I was able to. Uh, create some sort of third party out of the uh, Sanders defeat in 2016. I mean, I think that I think that I would probably be be really focused on on ballot access and about building like local power. I think that I think that the um, to the extent that the People's Party was ever meant to be an actual political party, um, where where its biggest error probably was was in uh, just, just like kind of going national, like immediately, uh, trying to do this, like, like automatic, like, okay, we're just going to go, um, we're, we're going to go for president. Um, and, and, and somehow we're going to make this happen in four years with this, you know, um, uh, call to action from Bernie Sanders, which again, like I have to emphasize, like almost certainly did not happen. Um, uh, but I think that, I, I think that there was like uh, a moment in the post Bernie political landscape uh, for progressives and the left in 2016, uh, where there was like an opportunity uh, to really do something to to make something different, to do something. I think too that like could have like appealed to both like um, like the more like left leaning people. Uh, like you know, like the, like the people who who I, I assume are generally listening to this, and also kind of like more maybe like more just kind of like liberal people who 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 wanted to change. I mean, it's it's hard to remember now, but like six years ago, like there was like a real up upswelling of a desire uh, for change, uh, and the reason that uh, the Sanders campaign was so powerful and so successful is that he was able to kind of reach across the kind of uh, like the democratic party spectrum right kind of going from like the uh the the, the kind of left flank and the independence on that side and kind of uh almost to the to the center uh on the other side and and, and i think that uh if if there had been kind of if, if something like mpp had happened and they had like focused on like city council and town elections and and just gone for something like really really uh, like like micro like that, I think that we would have ended up with something um, maybe that would have been been workable. But uh, I, I, there, there's so much incentive as far as uh, the just the way that the media structure is set up and the way that you know the, the the politics and fame kind of combination stuff is set up that there's just a desire I think uh, 
to instead of doing that, uh, instead of doing like any of the hard work or anything, to just jump immediately uh, into in, into national politics and and I think that when people do that, I think that it does kind of indicate a certain level of like unseriousness. Um, like you know, e- even like the Green Party, which is a far more successful third party than MPP can ever hope to be, um, but even Green Party, like they. It, it, they they have been able to have some presence on the national stage, but but it it, it hasn't really amounted to much. Um, so I think that I think the starting from like the ground and going up is probably the best way to do that. That's kind of like a rambling answer, but that that would be generally kind of my feeling on it. We do have one more caller. Go ahead, you're on the air. Just unmute yourself and go ahead. Hey, Owen. Thank you for taking my call. Really quick, I just wanted to. So you make a very good point about um, the incentive for people to like kind of chase power and stuff. And I just, you know, want to add, I think that's true of any uh, power structure. It's the nature of hierarchical power. You know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. It's, you know, the old anarchist critique coming to fore over and over again. And I think as far as, things that can be done about that, I would just recommend people look into projects and movements like uh, Cooperation Jackson and Cooperation Tulsa and the work they're doing to build, you know, real community power, dual power structures, solidarity economy, Um, because I don't really see electoral politics. I think most people... um, I can speak for myself as somebody who did a lot of volunteer work on both of Bernie's campaigns. Um, I don't think you're going to see a successful third party rise up. And I think it'd probably be a wasted pursuit anyway, just looking at the history of them. So I think, you know, the real chance is more going outside of that electoral politics, you know, not saying that people shouldn't vote or anything, but that trying to have a third party or anything like that would probably be, um, a misguided use of resources at best. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I just so, wanted to say that really quick. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, but just just stay here for one sec because I just I, I have a question. I guess that is like um, sure. So obviously, when I was answering uh, uh, Case's question, you know, I'm talking about 2016, like like that situation, like how how I would have reacted then. Um, but I I I find I I feel like what you're saying uh, about it being a wasted pursuit is probably true but can you kind of tease that out a little bit more like do you think that you think that the 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 electoralism is a dead end so like the only two viable there are only two viable parties so just like if you're going to pursue electoralism just do that or are you just saying that you know that that that, because i understand that what you're really saying is like don't pursue electoralism right to like actually change in other ways but it it does sound like you like you're saying like like that is just like not it's like a non-starter to you yeah, right? to me, to me, at least. Yeah. And I think, you know, you can certainly find other folks who would agree with that. Um, my perspective is that, you know, even if you do, you know, get the, you know, the so-called right type of person in power is that, you know, that kind of power, it changes the person once they get into power so that even the people with the best intentions, it, it changes you know, who they are, changes their social relationships and their perspectives. They have to compromise, you know, who they are to get anything done. Um, 
and the structures are just built in such a way, the institutions in this country are built in such a way that there's not really any real way where you're holding these people who you're trying to say represent all of these other people. There's no real way to hold them to account. There's no real way to have them actually be a voice of the people as they like to, you know, proclaim themselves to be a, re- a real representative of the people. The system is not designed for that. And not only that, but the system in general, the United States, you know, body of government, it was quite literally designed by the founders to protect the minority of the opulent. You know, Madison, the framer of the Constitution, outright says that in the secret notes on the debates of the Constitutional Convention. The checks and balances aren't, you know, checks and balances to keep the system, you know, um, in line. It's to keep democracy from entering the system as much as possible. Uh, He said you had to fear the leveling spirit, the agrarian spirit of reform and egalitarianism. So that's... Just kind of uh, my view and my perspective on it. Um, I mean, you know, that's not to say if if you get somebody who's decent compared to, you know, some outright fascist from the Republican Party or something, you know, take the five minutes to vote for him, I guess. But uh, I wouldn't expect, you know, that pathway to lead to any real or significant change personally. To any kind of real change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So so thank you for that. I do. I do just. uh, on that note, I do want to read just one more comment here from user Corn Pops. Uh, I think the problem is that the public is d- disillusioned from electoral politics and any project that starts on getting in the, quote, right candidate, close quote, without targeting uh, what the people actually need uh, is doomed to fail. Um, and I think that that's I think that's right. I think that's a good place uh, to end this, actually, because we have been talking about kind of the problem of of. Um, you know, facing up against uh, a leadership structure that is just uh, not working. So, um, yeah. Well, uh, so let's let's do the let's do the cleanup here. So, thanks everybody uh, for joining us. Um, uh, it's been a, uh, a a good spirited discussion, um, and and we will. This is so. This is part two. Uh, part one, we had some audio issues. Hopefully, we'll be able to have both of those available for you. So if you're listening on replay um, and you're only listening to this one, you're wondering, like, where was the rest of the conversation? Well, the rest of the conversation is on part one. So um, just just go ahead and check that out. Uh, so thanks, everyone, uh, for joining us. Once again, we'll be back on Thursday, uh, hopefully with uh, George Pierce to talk about the recession, coming recession, possibly. We'll see what happens. Um, and uh, the kind of general state of the economy. Uh, I'd like to thank all of the callers for calling in, and uh, we'll see you then. All right, thanks.